Welcome to the Urology Coding and Reimbursement Podcast, where we help urologists and staff achieve peak economic and practice efficiency so there is time and energy to focus on patient care and a happy life. I'm your host, Scott Painter, with my co-hosts, Mark Painter and Dr. Ray Painter. Today's episode is brought to you by ModMed. Do your EHR and PM adapt to your style of practice? The ModMed EHR and PM do, with benefits like remembering preferences and automatically suggesting documentation and billing codes. Urologists voted ModMed the number one urology-specific EHR and PM solution available, built by urologists with input from yours truly. Stop wasting 60 minutes and 200 for each of your open or no-show slot. Go to modmed.com slash prsnetwork. Set up an appointment with the team at ModMed Urology and shift your urology practice into high gear. Imagine a solution on a tablet or the web that works seamlessly with revenue cycle management, analytics, telehealth, payment processing, patient engagement tools, and much more. ModMed is transforming healthcare by placing doctors and patients at the center of care. Welcome to episode 121 of the Urology Coding and Reimbursement Podcast. I'm your host, Scott Painter, with my co-host, Mark Painter. And today we are going to go over what came out in the final rule. The final rule is out, and uh, we want to go over what things uh, changed from the proposed rule, what things didn't, and kind of what it's going to look like next year. And uh, we're going to let Mark just go through and run through all the... uh, Highlights and lowlights, and uh, tell us what's what's going to happen. So uh, let's dive right in. Mark, what do you got for us? All right. Well, it's, it is that time of year again when we get to uh, uh, raise your spirits right before the holidays. Um, and that was <laughs> definitely in quotes, unfortunately. Um, <laughs> So we've got the, so as far as what we're looking at from the proposed rule to the final rule, we don't see a lot of changes. Um, So, you know, unlike uh, a couple of years ago when we saw a few drastic changes, uh, this year we're back to kind of the standard CMS work uh, load where they they put this out there. Um, Most of it is fairly well-reasoned from their point of view. Um, And then they do respond back to uh, some of the comments um, that uh, the public makes um, and then say thanks, but we're going to keep it the same way that we propose. So that's kind of the way uh, things worked um, in general. So a quick summary overall. they did go back in and make a, a couple of small adjustments to the clinical label, labor pricing updates, which did make a little bit of a difference, not a huge one, um, but a little bit. And when they added all of that in, uh, they actually came up with a final conversion factor for 2023 of $33.06, which originally they'd pr- proposed 33 and 9 cents. So slight drop there, which in in essence equates to a 4.5% drop from the current conversion factor. I will comment once again here that there is a general feeling that 
in the lame duck session in Congress that we will likely see this uh, conversion factor drop either kicked down the road or funded through some other means. Um, so, but we'll we'll have to wait and see, and we'll probably be waiting at least until mid-December for that change to come through. So, we'll keep an eye on that. But right now, we're expecting that four and a half percent drop. Uh, we still have on the slate, and this was not addressed in the final rule, um, is the four percent overall budget adjustment that they they call PAYGO or pay as you go. Um, that is scheduled to be uh, implemented in January of 2023. Um, as I've researched this across the board, uh, the general feeling is that there is some sympathy uh, for the the physician community, the hospital community, and uh, when we look at the way the PAYGO works, uh, it impacts Part D, Part C, Part A, and Part B Medicare. So all parts of Medicare would see this 4% drop. Um, so um, that would be a tough one to swallow. There's a little bit of sympathy, as I mentioned, um, for the plight of physicians, hospitals uh, in the uh, in the the Democratic side of the equation. Um, I think there's some sympathy in the Republican side, but there's also a significant push from some in the Republican camp that would like to see this budget adjustment come through just to match up the budget instead of continuing to drive up the deficit. So it's setting up to be a bit of a battle um, in the process. The one advantage we might have is uh, having the hospitals uh, for at least a small uh, piece of the equation on the side of physicians. So their lobbying efforts will also be to get this taken away. So we'll have to watch where this is. Um, there's not as, I would say, the the outlook is not as positive from my contacts that this will go away. Um, but it was uh, delayed last year. And just to bring this up uh, in in context, uh, you you all know that you are currently still facing the two percent sequestration, um, and that sequestration is going to continue at two percent into the year 2030. Um, so that's the current plan at this point in time. If the additional four percent paygo uh, goes into play, um, that essentially takes out the entire 6% for all of your uh, buy and build drugs. And so that is something that um, as we start looking at what's going to happen next year, um, you do want to prepare for. Um, if you're making a 6% margin right now and Pago and sequestration both go into play, it'll mean that you are basically dealing with all the administrative headaches of buy and bill drugs at uh, at essentially a zero profit rate. So it'll be more of a of a loss leader than anything else. Now, obviously, some of you um, that 
have deals that are a little bit better than ASP plus six. There's still a little margin in there, um, but it is something that you want to take a close look at in your practice. Um, probably not something you want to jump over the the cliff on until we see that uh, Congress is not going to act. But it is going to take an act of Congress to block this 4% PAYGO. This is not something that Medicare is included in their budget uh, projections overall with what they released in the final rule. This is an additional uh, recoupment that the federal government requires to try and balance the budget. So that's that's not good news um, in the overall process. And, and so we'll have to keep an eye on that. Uh, then uh, the RVU changes were relatively minor across the board. Uh, we only had a few codes that moved up or down more than 5%, um, a grand total of about five or six. So urology overall in the RVU impact side when volume is taken into account is going to be down about 1% overall. Um, there's a slightly larger decrease for those services that are provided in your office as a group um, than that 1%, but that also means that you're less than 1% for services provided in the facility setting. Um, so again, you'll want to uh, take a look at those and, and run those impact projections as you build your budgets for 2023. Um, uh, in addition, we've got a couple of other things going on uh, in the final rule. Uh, number one, Medicare is going to revisit the global surgery package. Um, nothing is going to be implemented for 2023, but they may uh, in the near future, start collecting data once again or analyzing data to see if the global surgery surgery package can be eliminated. Um, again, for those of you who have heard me talk about this before, um, this is not something that uh, the surgical caucus would like to see happen um, based on the valuation process. So there'll be a lobby against that. Um, and then, uh, we do have a couple of E&M changes that are coming in in 2023. These are predominantly CPT codes, uh, and, and Medicare is reacting to those. They are going to adopt all of the changes that CPT is putting in place for 2023, uh, which means that we are moving away from the history and physical exam requirements for all visit types, cons consultations, inpatient, sniff, home visits, and we are moving to the same system of E&M code selection that we have currently for office-based uh, new and established patient visits. So it'll be MDM or time. And time is, uh, is considered all the time spent on the day that is dedicated to the evaluation and management service. So those changes will roll out. Um, additionally, um, the observation codes have been collapsed into the inpatient codes. So we now have just one set of codes uh, for initial in, inpatient or observation status, one set of codes for inpatient or observation status for subsequent visits, and then we have the combined discharge uh, 
service codes. Uh, and then uh, it, when we look at what the relative value impact is, when uh, CMS is uh, crosswalking the impact of those changes overall, we're going to see some decreases in the, uh, the initial inpatient level one code and the additional inpatient level three code. The level two initial inpatient code and the observation code is going to remain the same. Um, but in a, in a slightly good news side of the equation, the subsequent hospital visit codes, all levels, one, two, and three, look like they are going to go up um, based on those changes. Um, and most of your longer-term discharge management codes um, are also going to increase in value. Um, the one that is going down uh, is going to be the admit discharge same day, uh, low end code, which is going to drop a little bit. So a couple of things there um, that we're going to see drops. And for those of you who are still seeing payments for consultation codes in the office or in the hospital, uh, the values assigned to those codes um, are going to drop a little bit, um, and then the, the level one code was deleted for each of those sections. So just a few changes uh, across the board relative to your E&M codes. Um, and then finally, relative to E&M codes, um, as we've mentioned in the past, they are delaying the shift of the shared split visit rule from at present uh, where it is whichever uh, NPI physician, be it the mid-level or the physician, documents the substantive portion of the E&M visits or documents the uh, most time spent dedicated to the E&M visit on that date would be the billing uh, the billing NPI entity for that particular visit. Um, and they delayed until 2024 a proposed requirement that it only be based on time, meaning the, uh, the PA or the physician that documented they spent the most dedicated E&M time on that particular E&M visit would be the billing NPI entity. So that, that's going to hold off until 2024. So they finalized that. Um, they, CMS in the final rule also spent some time in uh, including the uh, new law that was passed that is going to allow CMS to continue to use the COVID public health emergency telehealth rules for 150 days um, after the end of the public health emergency, which right now is scheduled to end in January. Um, again, it's my feeling right now, based on what we're seeing worldwide and in the U.S. as far as COVID numbers, uh, that we've got a good chance of seeing that extended for at least one more 90-day extension. Uh, but that we won't know that until uh, you know, right beforehand, although uh, the Health and Human Service Secretary did say they would give us 60 days notice. So 
that would be coming up in mid-November. So we'll keep an eye on that issue. Um, if they do not announce, then we're going to assume that it is going to be extended for another 90 days. And then telehealth will be extended for another five months after the after that extension ends, uh, it, unless they renew again. Um, and we also still have a bill pending uh, in the Senate, um, which there is some real hope um, that will be passed in the lame duck session, which will extend the telehealth rules through the end of 2024. Um, so obviously, since that hasn't passed, Medicare could not address that, but they did reference that there might be other rules passed to extend these rules beyond the um, five months after the public health emergency ends. So it is time, um, as you've heard us mention before, uh, to really uh, turn telehealth into a true uh, part of urology practice going forward um, and uh, leverage that while you can. Um, and and I do think that that is going to be a, become a permanent part of uh, of the the workload, excuse me, of the options to provide services to your patients. Um, there were not many changes in the qual the pay uh, the QPP, the Physician Quality Payment Program. So uh, we're not going to see much in the changes there. They stayed with their proposed rules, and they are deleting um, three of the uh, current measures um, two, uh, that you that I've seen urologists use, the biopsy follow-up measure, the immunization for influenza and immunization status for pneumococcal museum, uh, vaccine. So if you are using those three measures, you're going to need to select a new measure to add to your QPP reporting. Um, so you'll want to take a look at that. Um, and as I mentioned, um, there were not many changes in the RVUs that were proposed. Uh, we will put uh, the two tables of the uh, five, excuse me, four codes um, that are going to be increasing um, is as part of the RVU changes um, that are greater than 5%. And then we'll also put in the impact from the uh, changes to the PCNL codes, the 50080 and 81, which changed a little bit from the proposed rule, um, but we're still going to see a, an overall decrease of 19% um, global payment for the 50080 in addition to the 4.5% conversion factor reduction and a reduction of 11% in addition to the 4.5% conversion factor reduction, if it goes through, uh, to the 50081. Um, and then we're also seeing some decreases uh, coming in for the uh, prostatectomy for the suprapubic subtotal, the retropubic subtotal at 3% and 8% respectively, and then, of course, the reduction in the lap radical prostatectomy code, um, which is about 16% from, from current. Um, because of the addition of code 55867, which is the laparoscopic simple prostatectomy, 
um, which is uh, being valued at, uh, pretty close to the lap radical prostatectomy with a total value of 31.07. Um, so those are uh, some of the changes that are out there. I'm not going to go over uh, today the PERC change codes descriptions. We've gone over those in the past. So there's a quick summary um, of everything that's that's happening. Um, with one exception, I wanted to circle back a little bit on the fact that um, they did list out uh, specifically the drugs um, that are going to be subject to the rebate program. There are about 25 of them. If you'll you recall, we talked a little bit about uh, Medicare uh, proposing to do uh, a rebate from the manufacturers, not from the physicians, but from the manufacturers for high-cost drugs for that are in single-use packages for which it is relatively common for drug waste to occur. Um, as you all know, with the JW uh, modifier, uh, for most of you, um, if those drugs are billed and reported as wasted, but you're still paid for those, um, the drug that it made the list from urology um, was Zyaflex. Um, so, um, we'll have to see exactly what that impact will be um, longer term on the manufacturer, but the billing and the reimbursement should remain the same, except for the reductions from PAYGO. Um, so uh, th that's what I wanted to uh, catch up on. All right. Well, that's uh, that's good. Good summary and. Uh... Sounds like uh, not not the best news, but uh, good good thing that uh, that uh, there wasn't any more changes that were a little more drastic. So hopefully we'll see uh, see them straighten out uh, a, a few of those things moving forward. But uh, so far, not the best news, but nothing that was uh, unexpected based on the proposed rules. Right. That's. That's about all we can say. Nothing really truly unexpected. Um, so um, obviously we'll keep you updated on how things work in the lobbying efforts to uh, reverse or remove some of these impending bigger cuts, the conversion factor and the uh, PAYGO. Um, and, and, and the lobbying efforts are afoot, I will tell you. All right, and we will have a more extensive discussion at our Urology Advanced Coding and Reimbursement Seminars coming up uh, in December, on December 2nd and 3rd in Las Vegas, and January 27th, or January 27th and 28th, yes, uh, in New Orleans. And we will put a link to that registration page on this episode uh, webpage, and that is at uh, prsnetwork.com forward slash 121 for episode 121. All right. Well, that's what we wanted to share with you today. Um, Mark, any, any final thoughts before we wrap this up? No, uh, not really. I mean, we've, we've talked about this enough before. It's 
it's a return you know we're back to the future <laughs> as we once again have the same problems that we had with sgr which is uh increasing costs and flat or decreasing reimbursements it's it's a it's a 10-year run that's been very very tough to deal with especially with the current increase in costs for practices around the country and and all the headaches of staffing it's just right now it's a it's a little bit rough i think for everybody as we, we start planning for everything and important to make sure that you can get as much as you can out of what's allowed so true well and the one the one bright spot is uh the e&m for the facility can be less cumbersome so <laughs> have that one piece uh, one shred of good news Okay, we'll wrap that up there, and uh, I'll take us out. Happy coding. Thank you for listening to the Urology Coding and Reimbursement Podcast, where we help urologists and their staff maximize income and efficiencies so there's time and energy for patient care and a happy life. Special thanks to Carl Painter for the music today. You can find his music on Spotify under his record label, The Juicery. <laughs>